When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Welcome along to episode number 67 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Ronan Flanagan here again with you this week, and this week I am joined by Sean Dunn. Sean, how are you? All good, Ronan. How's things? And Jerry O'Connor. Jerry, how are you? Great, Ronan. Thanks a million. So this week we will look back on last weekend's 3-1 victory over Shelburne at the showgrounds. As well as that, we will hear your shouts from the shed end. We have cases of the White Hag beer to give away. And as well as that, we will look ahead to Thursday night's Europa Conference League first leg tie against Bala Town. So first of all, Sean, I suppose we'll get straight into the Shelburne game, a 3-1 victory. Uh, three goals, three points. What else could you ask for, I suppose? No, it's the perfect day. Perfect build-up to this European game, Ronan. It was badly needed as well, with Shells doing the double over us earlier on in the season. You know, we needed to needed to get one back on them big time, especially with them sitting below us in the table as well. You know, we needed to show show our strength as well and our dominance and where we're challenging for Europe and not them. Um, I thought though overall it was an excellent performance by us. You can we're really really starting to see what uh, John Russell is looking to implement in this team. And Jerry. Sean mentioned they're looking to implement in the team. We saw Aidan Keane and Max Mata linking up once again with the two of them. Well, both players scored. There was a two for Keane and one for Mata. Is that a partnership you'd like to see going forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, they seem to be getting better week on week. I know it didn't really click uh, against Rada there the other week, but I think... Maybe it was just one of those games, very, very tight pitch. It was hard to get going. Like, in fairness to draw, they, they, really, uh, they really stifled us in midfield, but on our home patch, we're really starting to put a run together. Um, I think there's a good few wins now on the bounce. But, um, yeah, I think it was uh, Eamon Kelly Egg. He compared him to York and Cole. And you can definitely see the the similarities, but they're, they're really starting to click. So I think it'll only bode well for the future um, some of their link-up play was just like whew, I haven't seen it before in a long long time in the league to be honest with you it's what's around them as well is starting to familiarise themselves as well of where they are where they'll be located in the pitch as well you can see the likes of McDonald and Moran and all that they they're know where Keane is going to be all the time now and once yeah. Keane has it he knows where Matt is going to be and neither of them are shy of hard work and that's exactly what Russell wants in his side so I think going forward, like it's it'll be hard for any man to break in in front of them. And going back to the Saturday game, lads, I suppose 
Uh, one nil down after five minutes. Jerry, did you fear the worst? I thought I won the golden goal, so it was kind of like a small bit of consolation for me. But then I, I think I missed out by something like 18 seconds. So I uh, wasn't too happy about that. Um, did I fear the worst? Not really. Um, it, we started unusually slow. In fairness, like most of the games over the last six or seven, we started well, six, we started quite well on the front foot. Didn't really happen this time, but in fairness, Shelburne notorious for starting you know, all guns blazing as well. And it was a shitty enough goal that we, we conceded Um took a, a fairly wicked deflection and, and trickled into their net. So, look, I suppose I'd rather concede after six minutes rather than six minutes to go because we, there was still a lot of the game to, to to play for. So, in fairness, look, we, we grew into the game. So, happy days. It was an awful goal, Jerry, to give away. And I think it was one that's, you know, overall everyone will be disappointed in as well. There's so many mistakes leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Players just weren't switched on at all. You know, they weren't marking the main tracking runners. It's just all around it was really poor. And then not being, not being dominant at the edge of our own area, we kind of sat off everyone a little bit and just let the ball work its way across. And then, as he says already, a fucking wicked deflection just puts it in. But it was, it was the response that really impressed me, though, because I hate going back to, you know, under Buckley, but, you kind of knew what was coming if we went 1-0 down. Yeah. And this was a complete 180 on that. It was, you know, it was all guns blazing after that. We really sat in, dominated the game from there on in. And we weren't shy. We didn't panic. We just knew what we had to do. We had a game plan in mind. We stuck to it and we executed it to perfection. And you probably, I know we'll go through them in detail now, but you've probably seen two of the best goals, team goals you'll definitely see all season. And the first goal there, Sean, a brilliant goal, as you said, uh, Max Mata on the end of it. Um, I suppose all the work done there by Will Fitzgerald in the lead up to that first goal. Yeah, Will does brilliant in, in that. I think it starts, doesn't it, with the wee flick from Nile out? It does, yeah. The wee header, yeah, which is excellent as well. Puts into a lovely little area and Will gets away with it. And just, he plays a lovely way to ball into, into Mata. He does it. Doesn't give him loads of work to do with it. It's just it's a perfectly weighted ball. He can take it in his stride. And I think once you get Mata going like that, you see defenders fear him. They can't get at him. Once he gets those long legs in his stride and the strength, he'll just hold anyone off. He can he can do what he wants after that. You know, and the finish then on top of that was just superb. So it was, it was an excellent, excellent finish. I think as well, the thing that I liked about the finish was uh, just his composure. You know, sometimes when you see players getting into that position, there's just a lash at the ball. And nine times out of ten, they'll probably they'll skew it beyond the, the front post. Um, you know, they'll just fucking shank it. But no, like what I liked about him, he, you could see he steadied himself and uh, he hit through the ball. So it's just, you know, was, I thought it was really, really good. And the same could be said for for the for Keena's, um first goal. Again, look, the, the build-up play was like sublime, but the finish, you know, just to think it over the keeper, again, unbelievable composure. And that's, for me, what sets a good striker apart from a mediocre striker's composure in front of goal, and both of them have that in abundance. And you actually don't see that a lot uh, without being critical of the League of Ireland, but, you know, for, for a long, long time, there hasn't been many good strikers. And as I said to you, all good strikers have composure in front of goal. 
and those lads really display that through the night. And just on to stay on Mala's first goal, David Goulden said that uh, he missed he mis- kicked it. So I don't know. <laughs> David's winding you up. <laughs> Definitely not. Just actually as well, just to touch back, and it's just something I noticed, I don't know that anyone else, but is uh, with regards to Will Fitzgerald, is anytime I'm watching him play, I find he's always more effective when he nearly narrows his game, when he comes inside a little bit more and gives himself nearly an option of there's someone coming on the overlap and he's closer to the striker, nearly operating as a, as a number 10. It just kind of in that half space between the, between the sideline and where a number 10 would be centrally. Just in around there, he just seems to be very, very effective. And even going further ahead, just to, to further that point is when he picks up the ball from Frank for the penalty. He's inside. He's very central. Yeah. He's given that option. It's just something I've seen in him. I just think it might be something to look for, look within him that he may pull inside in in future games. You know, and th- as he develops his game going forward, I think Kirk helps there, um, in that he's really willing to get forward, um, and he's a great engine on. So I suppose as a as a winger or a outside left you know that yeah you can cut inside because he's coming behind you whereas previous to that like we very rarely seen the fullbacks going beyond the, the halfway line so I suppose that's kind of added to an element of play uh, to, to our yeah. game you know you know definitely I, th- I, I think under Russell he's operating more as an inside forward rather than a winger and it yeah. is giving Kirk that space to to go in around him because, as he says, Jerry, and you're and you're bang on because earlier in the season we weren't seeing runners in behind, and that's what we were looking for. Yeah. You weren't seeing a fullback overlapping, and you, and you rarely see it on the right hand side. It is at the moment because O'Sullivan nearly operates as a as an out and out winger. He stays touch tight to the line, whereas just this little bit of freedom with Fitzgerald, I think it's something that could cause teams awful problems, and and it did cause shells awful problems the other night. Yeah. And then Aidan Keane's first goal, the little dink over Brendan Clark. He tried similar there a few weeks ago against Finn Harris, but didn't come off. I he made an arse. Sean, like he's that type of striker that when he's he's a very confident striker, but you know he has that kind of so as you could say a swagger about him that he's he's not afraid to try those type of shots on goal or efforts on goal rather. Yeah, no, absolutely. He trusts his own ability. He's not shy, so he's not. He's a, He's, Jerry was going back to there earlier on between the two of them, you know, to have that composure in front of goal. Like, you haven't seen it with strikers around, I'd say, in 10 years. I'd say there's only been one, and it's Pat Hoban. Yeah. To have that killer instinct in around the box, like, the two of them have it. And Aidan Keane definitely has it in abundance. Like, it is, to try that effort there, you know, it's one all, you know, it's a big effort in a game where you won't get that many chances against shells, in fairness. So to have the confidence and the balls to take on that finish, but it was the right finish as well. That's the thing. It's it's a difficult finish, but it was the right finish. It's what was needed there because Clark had spread himself well. He had covered his near post and he had he had made himself big. So you know to just smash it would have been you know yeah. would have been fucking difficult as well. So you know that think was needed, and the execution was just superb. Yeah. If you watch back the goal as well, just before he thinks it, he kind of makes a movement that he is going to lash it. And Clark goes down. Yeah. And like I guarantee you, 99 times out of 100, a League of Ireland striker there lashes it. And that's why Brendan Clark went down. Yeah. And doesn't lash it. And just that, like, 
he made that movement to, to lash it, then he held back and then he just dinked it over once he went down. It was yes. like absolutely perfect. And it is, Jerry, and it's all in that one movement. He does it yeah. as well, where he's lashed at it, but it's not like it's a, a pause where it gives a defender a chance to get, get a yeah. foot to it or something. It's all in one movement. He's nearly, he's, he's, he's called Clark's bluff and in the same time he's thinking it. It's all happening yeah. in one motion. It's, it's excellent. And like, but you can't, for even as good as the finish is, you can't focus too much on that because it's the build-up to that goal. It's just something else. Like, I can't remember seeing a goal like that. I think I nearly go back to Cookies days when we seen seen football like that in the showgrounds. That one yeah. and two touch. And I think even you go back as far as, you know, even we played across, it's Pineacker to Blaney across the 18-yard line. And it's out to Kirk. And it's Kirk's ball into Kena is superb. And not enough people have, have given him the credit on it because he absolutely whips it at Kena. And he gives him that chance to just take it on one touch and it's away. And it's it's quality between the two boys. The connection they have sparked up is is excellent. And that that goal just proves what, what they're going to bring to us. And then moving on to the second half, lads. We saw Shelburne slowly make their way back into the game. And there were a few decisions that Damien Duff certainly wasn't happy about. Jerry, you were behind the goals before the game on Saturday evening. Were they over, was it off were the two offside? Was it over the line? Yeah, um, a lot of people said that we were blessed and I would agree with that uh, to a certain extent. Um, even though there were the right decisions, um, look, the ball didn't cross the line. I, I, and as I said to you before, I nearly kind of in, in a perverse kind of way, I wish it did cross the line and we got away with it because it makes it nearly all the more sweeter. But in fairness, it didn't cross the line. It's a great clearance by um, Oregon. Uh, the two offside decisions, I was really, really surprised that the referee went over to consult the linesman um, for uh, the first one, I think it was, where yeah. he got yeah. the view of, of McGinty. Um, that, that never generally happens, but it was 100% the right call. And that's, we don't often get that. And that's why I think we were blessed, even though it was, was the right call. Uh more often than not, we're kind of on the wrong end of it or they don't go and consult. Um, as for the other one, um, I think that would probably be a little bit more, more clear-cut in terms of offside. Look, if I was Shelburne manager or player, I'd be pissed off too, even though there weren't the right decisions. You know, with the referees, lines, I mean, you just don't know in this league. Uh, so they were unlucky in that regard, even though there were the right decisions. I, I'm sure if I said that to someone that was a Premier League supporter or a uh, wherever like they'd probably think I was off off my head but in League of Ireland that's just the way it goes so I would feel hard done by that by then even though it was the right decision and Sean then we saw that Adam McDonald and Niall Morton both came off and from there Shell seemed to I suppose did they, did they get a platform in midfield to get in behind Sligar over to that stage yeah, I think when Niall went off, um, first of all, wasn't it? And then I think we we kind of lost that structure in midfield then because the two boys had did Moylan and Lunny did. They knew exactly where, where they were going to be every time. They had the runs marked out. Moylan was non-existent in the game up until Morhan went off. And then he started to find them pockets of space. And I think, unfortunately, because when Greg comes on, he's not fit when he comes on. I think he was, that injury, whatever it was, 
it nearly played up straight away. You could see he was just off the pace slightly, which was really unfortunate because, you know, he's trying to fight through. He's trying to be ready for this European game. So that was really disappointing to see on him. But it was, it was crucial in giving Shells that little foothold for about, what, 20 minutes of the game, I'd say. You know, in around those times where they get the two uh, offside goals and that. But it was, it was just that Moylan was able to get that space, especially when he was finding those pockets of space, he was causing us damage because in fairness to that lad, he's a quality footballer and he will cause things problems. And he's already caused us problems earlier on in the season away at Talker Park. He destroyed us. Those must be kicking themselves at an angle for, for nothing. Um, I suppose, though, like, Shell's got a foothold in the game. We were, I suppose, a little bit unlucky in that. Um, I thought it was a strange decision taking off uh, Morhen. Um, and then what our uh, thingy comes on from? Um, Bulger. Bulger, sorry. And he gets injured and goes off. McDonald gets... Obviously, feels a tweak. I don't think it was anything too serious. Then he goes off. Um, and then Kyo comes on and he has to kind of play a defensive midfielder. So, with all the changes and players playing kind of really out of position, it, it kind of went in favor of Shells to get a really strong foothold in the game. And it's no coincidence. You know, you, you change what three center midfielders in the game, you know, you, you're going to have you're going to have them coming at you, especially when they're when they're when they're they're trailing in the game. And I think the tactics that you know, as the game went on, they got probably a little bit more desperate and went really, really route one, knocking the ball up to the Boyd and looking for the the knock on or yeah. the the ball, and that's what it really came down to um, in the end. So, um, but in fairness to Duff, like you know, everybody would consider him all to be a, probably a, a you know a purist in terms of football. But I think in fairness to him, like you know, you play the game the way it pans out, and you do what you have to get a win and. You know, fair play to him. Like, you know, people say about sticking to principles and things and that. That's a lot of bollocks. Like, you know, and he knows that too. In fairness, they went for the game and they were unlucky. I think, in fairness, Jerry, he's an astute enough manager. Um, you know, his teams are very well organized and they do, yeah. as you already pointed out at the very start, you know, they come out all guns blazing. Every game we've played them now, they've come out full on. You know, they don't let teams settle into games, they upset them. And, you know, from there on in, he'll play the game as it needs to be played then. He he judges it as the game goes on. You could see that. He tried to get a foothold when we took our centre midfielders off. It worked. And then after that, we started to settle back into the game again. And that's, as you says already, he started to go route one. He says, we'll try and hurt them a different way. So, like, you can't fault the manager for that. But Russell had all the answers to him. And that's that's the most impressive part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, good that we can kind of... Like for too long, we were very, very rigid and um, we didn't change our shape or um, tactics from game to game. Whereas, you know, as the game is going on, you can see various different changes throughout the game, which is refreshing to see. Um, and that's that's the way you have to do it. And more than Duff done it, Rustler done it, and we came out on top. So happy days. Saturday saw the debut of Frank Levac as well, lads. Sean. Uh, you could say it was a he had a very very impressive debut. Um, he nearly won a penalty for Sligo Rovers, and he also well he tried the ball through for Will Fitzgerald. We spoke last week about him that he where would you start him? Would you, would you play him? Where where would you position him on the pitch? Um, but for you, I suppose, Sean, is that what you kind of were looking for from the first game of Frank Levac that he 
he gets on the ball. He looks to make things happen. I think composure is one of the big things you can see in him. You know, he's he's not afraid of it. He's he gets on the ball. He looks to play the right way. Um, wasn't phased in any way, shape, or form by his home debut or that. You know, you might have some players that'd be a little bit nervous, but that furthest thing from it. Uh, really impressed by him, Ronan. To be honest, looks looks a proper player. Really does look a proper player. Good touch. Uh, you know, was able to beat a man as we've seen as well in the build up to that penalty. Took it on in the right way. Uh, will he be starting the right wing or that? I I'd love to give him a go. I'd nearly play him against Ballet. To be honest with you. I just think uh, just in these big European games coming up, you know, you need that added quality. But I think I think he is brought here as more of a, a central attack, attacking midfielder, but there was no way John was going to put him in as a central central midfielder there against Shells. Like that'd be criminal in a league he doesn't know, you know what I mean? When there is when you're playing against the likes of Lunny and Moylan, you can't take them chances. So that was never going to happen. So, you know, and he, he he had to make the sub at the same time because of the five substitution situation. Like, that's he had to bring him on. So he had to protect him in certain ways. And I'd say that's why you saw him out in right midfield more than anything else. And Jerry, I suppose, as well, mentioned there the penalty. There were two penalty shouts. The first penalty when Levac was fouled himself. A lot of people saying that that was more of a penalty than the second one. What do you make of it yourself? Yeah, I think it was, in fairness. Um, probably the second one was a little bit softer. But at the same time, too, when you go back over it, like he did make a connection. Um, and again, we're not used to seeing penalties like that given in the in the League of Ireland. If you see that in the Premier League, I know they'll analyse it 40, 50 times and look at VAR and all that, but I guarantee it'll still be given as a penalty. So I think, uh, and probably not getting the first one, probably helped getting the second one, if you know what I mean. If the first one didn't happen, you probably wouldn't get the second. But I, I do think it was a penalty. Um, and I think the referee did get the right decision. It's just that, you know, we don't normally, again, get those type of decisions, even though there was contact. I think you get the Levac one if we're on the linesman's side. I think he'd have, he'd have a better view of it. Yeah. You probably get it then. That's where the referee misses that one. And. You know, the, the Fitzgerald one for me, I didn't think there was much in it myself, but there is, Clark does touch him. So, yeah, I just yeah. think, I think Fitzgerald does the, the best thing by not making the the most dramatic dive to the ground in the world, you know. He goes down fairly naturally, so he doesn't give it, the referee just sees it as a clear penalty. And I suppose it's gone through a pace as well, so makes it all the better. Yeah, like it wasn't unbelievable. Like, in fairness, Clark did protest, but not that much. There wasn't too many uh, shells players protesting. You know, the u- it was kind of the usual protest. Yeah. It was not more than that. Like, I was sure if you kick someone in the head in the box, you protested that you didn't touch them anyway. So, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And Aiden Keane steps up his eleventh of the season. Season go clear at the top of the scoring charts. Sean, I saw yourself on Twitter. Not bad for a lad from Falkirk. Well, yeah, I'm going to keep referring back to that saying that a couple of journalists had when he signed. Just some lad from Falkirk. He's not just some lad from Falkirk. He's far from it. He's one of the best strikers I've seen in the league in a way. And he's only going to get better as well. Um, and there's the fact that he's going to add penalties to his game as well now is it's a huge bonus for us to have someone with that confidence from the from the twelve years. But but he's the best thing to come out of Mullingar since Joe Dolan. Niall Horn will have serious words for you there. Ah. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Now, most weeks, lads, we have a 
a crate or a case or two rather of the White Hags clan box to give away. And uh, last week we had four to give away, I think, Jerry. Yeah, four we to had, give away. Uh, and uh, we have four winners bonanza. lined up. Yeah, we had a beer bonanza uh, running. So we have four, four boxes of uh, the, the clan to give out. So first, first uh, person is Adrian McKeown uh, over there in Carrick and Shannon. Oshin Kelly, uh, Vinnie Davy, and Ian Rooney. So they're the four winners. So we get their email addresses and we get four boxes of beer out to them. And we also, do we have White Hag to give away for the Ballotown game as well? Yeah, we have two boxes to give away for the Ballotown game. So beer scorecast. So, and if you're over in, over in uh, Wales or Liverpool, you can still enter and you might have a nice present down when you come home. But we sat there when you come home from uh, the, the craziness of uh, us Westry. As well as entering the beer scorecast, you can also get your shouts in, shouts from the shed end. All you have to do is simply send a WhatsApp voice note to 085-815-9767. And here is the shout from the shed end we got from Saturday night's game at home to Shelburne. Well, lads, Aaron from Roscommon here. Um, good win against Shelburne. We definitely owed them one after the two defeats against them, especially the one at home. Uh, Mata and Kina uh, linking up really well now and... I have to say that's one of the great things about John Russell since he's came in is that he's gave the two of them both a run in the team together. Like, um, like obviously, look, don't want to keep going back to the whole Liam Buckley thing, but that was one of the things I was critical of Liam Buckley was he wasn't getting the two of them in the team, where John Russell is definitely getting the two of them in the team and you can see the benefits of it now and um, especially that link up play for that goal by Kina was just unbelievable one of the goals of the season probably and um, then looking to the European game uh, fortunately I'm working so can't travel to it but I got my stream passed there earlier and really looking forward to it and hopefully we can kind of step up to the plate now when it comes to Europe because you know, for too long, it's kind of just been about participating in it. It's time to actually get through a round or two. And between the Bala game and then Motherwell, hopefully in the next round, like they're good opportunities and good for the club as well to keep expenses down. So roll on the Bala game and up the Rovers. That's your shout from the shed end. Don't forget WhatsApp voice note on 085-815-9767. Now moving on to the latest news. Jerry, you mentioned last week we have a scarf that will be available at Fitzgerald's Bar in Slater Street in Liverpool on Thursday for the European game. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so we've got um, two types of scarf, two types of scarves um, for sale. Uh, and they'll be on sale in Liverpool in Fitzgerald's and they'll also be on sale in Wrexham in uh, Hill Street Social. So, um, yeah, look, they're really, it's a nice, nice kind of, uh, I was kind of wrecking my head what would be a nice souvenir of our trip uh, away. So I thought a scarf would probably be the best, best thing because everybody likes a nice scarf and they hold on to it for, you know, probably looking back on it in 20 years' time, you still have the same scarf. So, yeah, hopefully it's just uh, creates good memories for us. But uh, yeah, so I'm actually meeting your man, Pete. Pete, uh, 
Well, he's, he's meeting me at the airport, so very soon. Um, I'm meeting him at the airport tomorrow at four o'clock and uh, picking the scars up off from there. So, yeah, he's done us a good deal. So, make a few pounds for the club. Absolutely. And we've seen people post on social media the replica 1994 jersey. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty of them around the streets of Wrexham and Liverpool on Thursday evening as well. Yeah, I was kind of sweating it there for a while. I thought uh, over the weekend, you know, I was uh, sweating it that people wouldn't have the jerseys, you know, because obviously they want them for going away. And that's, um, but thankfully, I think everybody got their, their order uh, Monday. So happy day. So we'll be strutting around Wrexham and Liverpool supporting the uh, Sligo Rovers and the EBS Building Society. And as well as this Thursday's game against Ballatown, the Sligo Rovers women's team, they play their first Women's FAI Cup game on Saturday at the showgrounds at 3 o'clock when they play Douglas Hall. So make sure you can get down if you can. 3 p.m. kickoff there at the showgrounds and tickets cost a fiver and under 12s go free. So, Sean, a chance there for Sligo Rovers women's team to, I suppose, there's a history of cup competitions in Sligo Rovers, so a chance for themselves to write their own history. Absolutely, a huge opportunity. It'd be great to see them get on a cup run as well. So what I know there's a, between Emma Hansbury and that, there's already experience of playing in the Aviva and cup finals. So, you know, it'd be nice for them to, to step on and, you know, get a good cup run underneath them. And I think they're more than capable of it as well. You know, they've proven already to see this put together and, you know, they'll be well up for it on Saturday. I wouldn't put a pass on going through. Now, moving on, last Friday, I spoke to Hannah Gwentian Jones, who is a Ballatown supporter ahead of Thursday night's fixture away to Ballatown in the Europa Conference League. The first question I asked Hannah was, Who are Ballatown? Ballatown, we are a football club based in Gwynedd in North Wales. We play, play in the Cymru Premier which is the top tier of Welsh football. We have qualified for the Europa Conference League for the second time, as it like since all the changes have been made with UEFA. Um, we've been in Europe eight times. We are a club that definitely pushing well above our weight, I think, for the size of Bal as a, as a town. Um, it's, we've got a population of about 1,900, so it's a very small place compared to some of the other clubs in the league. Um, we've had a in the last 20 years a huge change. I'd say it's quite a fairy tale of a story. We've come from the bottom, like the bottoms of the third tier of Welsh football. And since our manager Colin Caton came in 20 years ago, we've seen a huge rise coming through, you know, through from the Wrexham area as it was at the time into the Cymru Lions to then finally gaining um promotion to the Welsh Premier. Obviously, as it was at the time, we've won the Welsh Cup. We've qualified for Europe, like I've said, eight, eight times. So it's been quite a roller coaster ride. <laughs> and you mentioned there European competitions. What sort of teams have Bala played before in the European competitions? Well, we haven't had like our exotic trips to say like the Georgias and the Macedonias. But we've played um, huge clubs like we played AIK from Sweden. They brought 500 fans over. We played um, at the second arena in uh, Sweden in a 35,000-seater stadium where only 25 fans went over. Um, we played Valletta from Malta, 
Diffodons from Luxembourg, um, Vadoos from Liechtenstein, played Lan from Northern Ireland last year, um, Levadi Tallinn from Estonia. So we, we've got around quite a bit. So yeah, it's been it's been great really to be able to you know go to different countries, see all the you know the culture, meeting the supporters, you know being with like going to the draw, you know, the, our chief executive and secretary manager have all been over to, you know, UEFA HQ and been with, the, as you think, the big boys of European football. For a little club like us, yeah, European football is a dream come true, really. And going now to the present day Balatown, I suppose we've seen in recent weeks, keeping an eye on Balatown and what they're getting up to, They've yeah. signed some new players. Would player turnover be a very common occurrence in the the Welsh Premier? Um, it, it can be. Um, the the Cymru Premier has a bit of a reputation that we're trying to shake off as a league in a total of it's where football league players come down their career when it's nothing from further from the truth of the truth if that makes sense. You know, there's good players here. They get um, picked up by football league clubs. We've lost Will Evans last month. He's been picked up by Newport County. You know, there's possibilities for young players to definitely make the step up. And for players like we've got um, Dave Edwards, who played for Wales in the Euros. Um, We've got Anthony Kay, who's played, what, over 500 football league appearances and still doing a job for us. Now they're getting a taste of European football, which... They wouldn't maybe even play in the English system. Not everyone plays in the Premier League. Um, Ballet itself, we tend to keep the core of our squad. So if you look straight down the middle, you know, we've got players like Kieran Smith. He's been, he's going into his 10th season with us, you know, and he's what, 28. So yeah, well, there's a bit of chopping changes, but I th- I'd hope that these signings coming in now, um, like Luke Wall, he's played in the league before, very technically good on the ball. James Davis and Neymar Sanna played for uh, Chemdroids in Newtown. You know, we know what they're all about. about. They've caused Bala problems over the years. So you'd like to think that we, no disrespect to the players that have left us, but maybe try to improve, you know, getting better players in to try and get us through to hopefully the second round. And we mentioned on our own podcast that Bala is seen as a small place. However, it is near big cities such as Liverpool, Birmingham, Manchester. Do Ballatown attract players from those regions as well? Yes, we have to because of the, it's it's a luxury that we haven't got. You know, there's some of the clubs that play in our league. You know, say Carnarvon, for example, their population is what it's about thirty, forty thousand. You know, they can tap into local players who are obviously better type of thing. You know, it would be a dream come true to see like a team of Bala boys, you know, Bala born and bred lads playing, but we unfortunately don't have that luxury. You know, we, we've we only started getting the facilities. Our academy, you know, they produce great players, but they get tapped up by, you know, football league clubs. So we do have to go further afield. Yes, we've, we do tend to bring players in from Liverpool, um, Chester, but these new lads that have come in recently, they are, you know, James Davis is just from over the mountain here. Um, so he's about 20 miles away, you know, so there has been, Ballard's had a rep of, oh, they don't play local players type of thing. But, you know, you've got to look at the logistics of the thing. We haven't got the population, like I said, 1900, you know, you're not going to get, unfortunately, 11 
you know, to 16 brilliant players who are going to be able to compete at the top level of Welsh football and European football as well. But hopefully, because there's talk with you with um, thick changes in the FAW and that now, you know, they want more homegrown players to come through the academies and to, you know, learn their trade. So we don't have to go, you know, almost shopping, you know, to across the border because we shouldn't have to really. And Ballatown's manager, Colin Catton, he's been at the club now for nearly two decades. What sort of yes. impact has he had at the on the clubs so far? Well, it's been it, it's been massive when when Col, you know, joined us, first of all. There was nothing at my stagid. It was literally a, basically a, a field with nothing there. There was, you know, white barriers, two, you know, horrible looking dugouts and nothing else. He managed to get a squad together and, you know, of because he he played himself as a centre half for years. So he had the contacts, um, managed to bring a squad in. We got promoted and it's just built from that. You know, it's it's a it's been a team effort. There's no doubt about it. He's had, you know, his assistant manager, Steve Fish, has been with us 15 seasons. Ryan Valentine, one of the coaches, he's near enough eight to nine years. So it's been a, you know, they've all done their coaching badges. So it's not a case now of, you know, you getting kicked to pieces like you used to type thing. You know, we're bringing in players that are technically good on the ball because the coaches, you know, go on to their pro licenses where he's been rubbing shoulders with players like Thierry Henry and stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, everything as we've grown, everything's had to grow with it. So, you know, better coaching means better players, better facilities. We had a 3G installed back in 2017. You know, so it all it's it's all, all like a team effort, but there's no doubt that without him and obviously the backing from our chief executive, Nigel Acroyd, the club would the club would never be where it is today, no doubt about it. And you mentioned the home ground there. Is it disappointing for Ballotown's Ballotown fans? not to be playing the Europa Conference League game against Sligo Rovers at your actual home ground? 100%. I am dying to see us play a European game here. Um, we have hosted, like, Wales and the 17s games and stuff like that, and you get a feel of it thinking, oh, my gosh, this could be how we could be, but we've only got 500 seats. It would be, like, in the future, great if we could develop the the stadium now because Ballard if you have a Google not today because if you look out the window now it is chucking it down outside but when the you know sun's out it is one of the most picturesque places in in North Wales like it's a tourist hotspot there is if I've seen one caravan come through Ballard already in the last couple of months you know it's the caravan capital of North Wales (laughs) um but honestly you know we've got you know, the, we rely so much on tourism and stuff. So there's no doubt the Sligo fans would have had a whale of a time. We've got seven pubs first off. <laughs> you know, they'd have had a great time. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it's moving to TNS because people that know me know that I, I'm not a fan of the place. I It's not great for football supporters to watch. It's a, it's a glorified ledge centre, to be polite. <laughs> um, we used to play at Rill. Um, which real is not the nicest place in the world, but you felt like you were in a football stadium type of thing. So it didn't feel as bad. Um, but that's the thing. There's a, these grounds are so far behind because the, the Welsh clubs have never done well in Europe. So the facilities 
a fallen a waif you know what i mean um so you know there's nine clubs i think now have three have three g's in the league out of the 12 you know which obviously raises the standard but the infrastructure like the stands and that are miles away still from european football unfortunately it would be ideal if we just had a ground specifically you know that could be allocated just for european competition really and moving on to Thursday's game, how are Ballot Town fans feeling ahead of the visit of Sligo Rovers? Um, I think we're excited, there's no doubt about it. We're really looking forward to seeing how many supporters you bring over and hope you do make a racket anyway. <laughs> we love it, we love an atmosphere, honestly. Um, I've got to say, and what Sligo fans should be aware of, there aren't many of us, <laughs> so please take it easy. <laughs> um I think we're a little, a little bit apprehensive. Um, don't think it's the best draw we could have hoped for. Um, from the fact is, I know that you lot are mid-season now. So, you know, you're going to be much more match-sharp than we are. Bell are actually playing tonight in a, their final friendly. Um, so I'm a bit apprehensive because there's always tends to be a little silly schoolboy mistake. And I would say it's something that one of our weaknesses may be that... On the big stage, I don't want to say that we bottle it, but we've had di- disappointment before. Um, like last season, we played Lan, we conceded in the first minute and it set the tone for the game, really. So personally, if we can come over to you still in the tie, I reckon we've got a chance. But I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> and what are Balaton's strengths? What should Sligo Rovers fans be worried about out of the game? Um... I'd say we've got a lot of football league experience. So there's a lot of players that have been there, done it, got the T-shirt. We are a team that have a brilliant work rate. Um, That's something Colin prides himself on, that his team give everything type of thing. Um, There's quite a bit of pace in the squad. Um, Yeah, especially, yeah, in the midfield as well. We've got, like, a good engine room. You know, um, I'd say someone like Kieran Smith, like I mentioned earlier, being with us almost his 10th season, you know, runs his socks off. Um, Chris Venables, who is our star man up front, you know, he's a three-time Golden Boot winner. You know, he knows where the goal is. There's no doubt about it. If a cross comes in, you know, they need to be wary. Um, Yeah, I... You, you can't rule out players like Dave Edwards, you know, with the experience he brings and stuff like that. So I just hope that we all our strengths do click together and that things do go well on Thursday night anyway. Well, thanks very much indeed, Hannah, for joining us this week. And Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's Hannah Gwentian-Jones, about a town supporter ahead of this Thursday's Europa Conference League game. Right, lads, we'll look ahead to the game now. Big game, Thursday evening, 7 o'clock. Jerry, nervous? Yeah, nervous nervous and excited. So, nice mix. Um, really, really looking forward to it. Um, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a great trip. And, um, you know, so many people travelling. About 500 people travelling. It's absolutely insane. Um, and it just shows you the, the support there is there for... Uh, Sligo Rovers, um, our local football club, um, and I'm looking for like it's a really I love when we play in Europe. It's a really really proud moment uh, to see our hometown club playing in European competition and representing the 
the region on a on a I suppose a European scale. And uh, yeah, just so so proud um that you know a small kind of region can produce a football team that can compete at European level and uh, bring 500 fans probably favourites for the game away from home and uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's just it's great times and uh, the one thing I'd say to everybody travelling is that uh, you know have a great time enjoy yourselves at the game get behind the team make make as much noise as you can and you know don't travel over there and sit on your hands and like oh happy clappy or and then like get Get up, stand up, sing, shout, whatever. Don't make your make your voice. You're after traveling all that way. Make your voice count, and, and get behind the lads. And we'll we'll have a good, right, good sing song then as well when we get back to the the pubs of Wrexham and Liverpool. But hopefully with a good result under our arm. And showing a great chance to get through to the next round. It's a huge opportunity for the club, Ronan. Um, it's as Jerry says there. It's kind of we're going over there as favourites, and it's. It's a wee bit scary going over with this massive expectation that we should be going through. Uh, it's not really a position we found ourselves in in the past. So it's a, it's a, I, well, I'm shitting myself and I'm not even going to lie. So <laughs> I'm absolutely breaking it. But uh, I just, it's just the fact that it is, it's so vital for the club. I think it's just on what we're looking to build. You see the, the project the club has going forward. So good runs in Europe are going to aid that massively. With it, in, with it involves to everything from the youth setup right through to, you know, everything to do with the stadium. So, look, it's it's going to be really exciting. I fully back this team going over. I think this team is now in a completely different mindset to where we were earlier on. I think we're completely focused on the job at hand. I, I listened to an interview with, oh, I forget which player it was actually after the, it was Nando Pinacker actually after the, the Shells game there at the weekend, he says they hadn't even focused on Bala before that. They were dealing with Shells and he says straight away, he says, tomorrow morning we'll be lo- we'll be focused on Bala Town. We'll be going going in depth into what they can what they can hurt us with and what they're going to throw at us. We know John Russell and that have gone over and watched them in their in their friendly against Cliftonville, which by all accounts they were meant to be decent enough. But listening to their own manager as well, uh, you know, he, he sounded a wee bit nervous in regards to us. He wasn't talking Billy Big Bollocks or anything like that, you know, little old Swagger Rovers coming over, you know, he was giving us our flowers and saying, you know, this is a big club coming over to play us with a big support. So, you know, they know what's coming and we have to feed off that expectation as well and not let it hamper us, but actually feed off it and let it drive us on. And I, I genuinely do think we stick to our game plan, we do the right things, we'll, we'll go through this, this tie quite easily. And you mentioned there, sorry, Jerry, I think as well, Ronan, that um, it's not, we shouldn't forget that they're actually the Cedar team, not us. Um, I think we've kind of, you know, forgotten about that. Like, at the end of the day, they've played eight times. They've been in Europe eight times. They are Cedar. They have European experience. I genuinely don't think there'll be a pushover, but just to kind of uh, reiterate what Sean was saying there, like, I... I have confidence in, in, in our team, though. Do you know what kind of way? Um, I'm not as nervous as what I would be normally because I do have faith in, even though we could be missing a couple of our, or a few of our, our be- not our better players, but some of our important players or whatever way you want to describe them, 
but still be confident. I think John has them working really, really hard. There is a system there. They are disciplined. They know every man knows what his job is. Um, and then we have the two lads up top that you know are really, really capable of, of scoring goals. Um, so yeah, look, I, I, I'm quite confident without uh getting getting carried away. I, I don't I could see a straw maybe over there and beating them at home. Uh, and I'd be confident getting through the two legs, but it won't won't be easy. Yeah, I think the fitness state of thing is going to be huge as well because they're still in early pre-season. And you know, we've obviously you can see in us in the last few weeks, our fitness has skyrocketed. We're a much different side now. So that's going to be a real factor within this tie overall. You know, and I think we just got to stay patient without without the ball as well and just you know just let let it let it do the work so we can you know let let them try and work it around a bit and at the end of the day their main center half is 38 years of age if maybe 37 you know Kane and Matter are going to expose him the half that you know Matter can pull him all over the place and let get down, to get down the sides of him yeah then pull away like yeah so i think that's going to be a, a real a real area we look to hurt them there like look don't get me wrong Edwards is a seasoned international like you know he's played at the European Championships with Wales and stuff like that he's played Premier League football he's not going to be an idiot he's not going to go chasing aimlessly but at the end of the day as well when you have two players like that like Mata and Keane they will drag you around the place it's inevitable so I think that's where we can look to hurt them big time and our own centre halves lads we saw Nando Poynacker and Shane Blaney, the heart of the defence against Shells, we're not, we don't know as we record at the moment here on Tuesday evening, the situation with Gary Buckley. Um, do, if Gary Buckley is somewhat, if he's not 100% fit, do we stick with Shane Blaney and Nando Poynacker as our centre halves? Yeah, I would be. Um, I wouldn't be taking any risks with anybody. Um, as long as you know, there's only half of during the season. There's long bit to go, and I have every confidence in the the two boys that uh, at the back. So, uh, yeah, I, I keep it as it is. And to be honest with you, if I was, if I was, look, I, I suppose if I was the ballot manager, um, not that I know much about you know yourself the te- the technical side of football, but I would if 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 I was the ballot manager, I was looking at the Shelburne game. I would play the exact same tactics as what Shelburne did, um, you know. Um, and as the game goes goes on, I'd be looking to put the two lads at the back under pressure uh, by knocking balls down the middle um, and trying to get flick-ons and second balls and things like that. Because that's where I suppose Shelburne probably did hurt us the most, even though it wasn't the most attractive. But that's where they got the joy. And if you're the banner manager looking back at that, that's what you'd be looking. You know, obviously, I don't think they'll go come out all guns blazing because that's not really the way European football works. Both sides usually try and work each other out and find each other out and grow into the game and things like that. But I think as the game goes on, I think you could see Bala resorting to the tactics that Shelburne did and um, knocking it, knocking it along and getting a little bit physical in and around the box. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Jerry, in that as well. And I just as I was trying to say there, we want to go. You know, they're not going to come at us all guns blazing they can't from a from a fitness point of view as well they'll be dead after 25 minutes you know yeah. so that's what I'm kind of saying as well is for us to get our foot in the ball 
get control, let the ball do the work. Yeah. And let the, let them chase. Just tire them out as quick as you can and then hurt them. You know, that's what I be I think from our point of view, that's what I'd be looking to do anyway. And you see with Russell anyway, look, we 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 move the ball quick. And it's it's an astroturf pitch as well, we're going on to, isn't it? It is, yeah. So yeah. that's another aspect we have to take into account as well. You know, we will be able to move the ball quick. We won't have any issues there, it won't be a bad pitch. You know, I'm sure it'll be watered, it'll have to be up to a European standard, so you can't have any nasty tactics like you're going on Finn Park or anything like that. All right. So, you know, that'll play into our favour as well. But um, all in all, look, we're going over there confident, but we ha- always have to be wary because at the end of the day, it is an unknown aspect. You know, we don't, we know, we know very little about them. There's no point in sitting here bluffing and saying, oh, we know this and we know that. We, we know very little. And to be honest, they know very little about themselves as well because they let a lot of players go and <laughs> it's, a, it's nearly a whole new squad there. So, you know, that's, an, that's another thing for them as well. Like a couple of pre-seasons games, you're not going to be all gelled in straight away. Look at, look at us in pre-season. Yeah. And who will be starting, lads? I suppose they're looking at the starting lineup if you have Gary, sorry, Gary Buckley would, might be starting. But if you have Shane Blaney, Nando Pineacker as two centre house, Ed McGinty would probably be in goals. Paddy Kirk at left back. Does Lewis Banks come in at right back or does Colin Horgan stay there for his defensive work? Personally, in an away, away European tie, I'd be going with Colin Horgan. I think you, not that it's a safer option as such, but I just think anytime Horgan's been in at right back this season, has been absolutely outstanding for me anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with any of that. Um, and it's, look, it's kind of there's not much between the two boys and whichever one plays you're like you're you know you've got quality there so um i'd be happy enough with either one to be honest with you and i i think to be honest i think we'd probably start with the same 11 as what started against um shells hmm. i think the bit one of the big calls will be bulger won't it if he's fitter yeah enough. I, I can't see him. I can't see him starting. Um, no. Even if it is only a tweak, it's it's too it's too quick. I, I'd imagine. And again, it'd probably be too much worse. Probably the only change that you could see is maybe uh, Frank the Tank coming in for maybe O'Sullivan. That's well, personally, Jerry. That I said off air there to run, so that's what I'd be going with. I'd bring him in. I think a player of his his quality for a European tie. You know that's the that's what you kind of need, so as he could make the difference. So I think I think he'd come in as well, yeah. And he has European experience, so. yeah. It's nothing new to him. And finally, lads, I suppose the thing we could finish off with is predictions. So I'll start with you, Sean. Oh, one 0 Rovers. And Jerry, two 0 Rovers. So hopefully the two lads are rolling. Myself, I said yeah. three one on Sunday, so I think a few pints on you. I stick with my three one prediction. Oh, we'll take that. Right. Thanks a million lads for joining us. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, lads. See you on the other side. Up the rovers. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2.
will be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. It's brilliant, 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 brilliant.